following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Do you remember renting movies from a local video store? The perfect video store. Welcome to Blockbuster Video. Is popping up all over the country. Do you remember owning membership cards, dealing with late fees, and driving to several stores for the latest release? Right now, rent Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Cobra for just a dollar a day each. Then sit back and listen to the stories of the men and women who were on the front lines of video stores in their heyday. Friendly people, fast computerized checkout, free membership, and all our rentals are for three days, two nights. This is Rental Return, Tales from the Video Store. Hi, my name's Joe Corey. I worked at the Video Plaza on Kildare Farms Road in Cary, North Carolina, next to Raleigh, North Carolina. And I lasted there somewhere between 1993 and 1994. Hey guys, thanks for having me on the show. This is Brian. I am here to talk about my memories of uh, working at a place called Hollywood Video in a suburb of the Boston area from about 1998 to 2000. Hey, this is Matthew Corey. I worked at the Video Bar in Cary, North Carolina back in uh, the summer of 1993 and 94. Hi, my name is Mark DeWitt from Holland, Michigan. I was a operator for 10 Blockbuster stores from 1989 to 1992. My name is Colin Fitzpatrick. I worked at the Mission Viejo, California location of Blockbuster Video in 2003. My name is W. Axel Foley, also known as Bill or Billy Foley, and I worked at the greatest video store ever in existence, World of Video at 51 Greenwich Avenue in Manhattan from 2001 until 2007. Hey, this is William Lanham, and uh, I worked at Blockbuster from 2005 to 2009 in Jacksonville, Florida. Hi, I'm Bob O'Rourke. I worked at Premier Video in Clinton, New Jersey and Princeton, New Jersey from 2000 to 2007. I'm Brandon Myers and I worked at Blockbuster Video in Millington, Tennessee from February 2001 to the end of 2002. My name is Alan Smith. I'm in Madison, Tennessee and I worked for Movie Gallery from May of 1998 until May of 1999. Season 2 Episode 2, Pushing Play. What made you want to work in a video store, and how did you get the job? Well, um, my high school in Jacksonville, when I went to high school, like right across the street when I was there, when I was a senior, they started building this development, this shopping center, and they added like a, a grocery store, and then they added a blockbuster. At the time, I never worked in high school. When I was in high school, I didn't work. But when I got out of high school, when I graduated, I knew some friends from high school that did work there. And so that's how I got on there. I was like, okay, you know, I want to work in a video store, obviously, because I love movies. So uh, I guess how I really got on because I had friends there. And I started, you know, in 2005, which I graduated in 2004, and I started in 2005. So, um, yeah, just had some friends there, and I applied, and... And you help? Uh, I was looking for a job. You know, I was uh, I was fresh out of college, and uh, I was looking for a job. And they were hiring, and it was one of those things like, oh, obviously this. You know, I mean, you know, 
when you got a liberal arts major, you, you take jobs where you can find them, you know. So it was one of those things that they were hiring, and um, I had kind of developed a rapport with the, uh, the the manager at the time, Diane. And so it was kind of one of those things that you know, one day I was in there running some stuff. We were talking, and she said that they were hiring. I'm like, hey, let me have an application. And I had always wanted to work at a video store because, you know, I, I love movies so much. You know, I just – and also you know, the thought of free rentals. Um, it was just really uh, amazing to me. So uh, I, I went in. I filled out the application, and uh, she pretty much hired me on the spot. And I was like, all right, this is cool. So I didn't start for like a couple days or something like that. You know, it was one of those like, okay, you know, you could be in the such and such day. <laughs> and of course, me, especially at that time of my life, wound up oversleeping. And this was like an afternoon shift. Okay. <laughs> I had to be there at like two o'clock in the afternoon, and like I woke up at like two ten with the phone ringing, you know? <laughs> which I legitimately lived like not even half a mile from the place. So it was one of those I was like, I'm so sorry, this won't happen again, you know. And so it, that that was the initial. Uh, what was funny about it is that uh, she was a manager, and then we had another assistant manager, and I think I was working there maybe a month before I got a phone call one night from diane and she's like hey i fired i can't remember the guy's name now she's like i fired someone so are you interested in the, in the assistant manager's job like okay and on the next thing i knew i was the assistant manager what's interesting about that is this was located right next to my high school where i went and what's funny about that is all of us at school saw the construction before we saw the sign saying help wanted so a lot of us were like oh my god you know looking for for a job an after school job this would be perfect kind of thing so many of us called up and left voicemails, sent in our resumes, however we thought we could in that era of late 90s, um, before the internet was really more ubiquitous, and we didn't hear back. So it was really kind of interesting being like, okay, this is, you know, when's this thing going to open? There's no signs. We don't really, we're asking around. No one really knows the answer. You know, hopefully in a couple months, no one knew. But we were all very excited to hopefully get a position there. What was interesting for me is that you know, I was talking to my family about this um, location opening up and how cool it would be to work there. And I remember my mom saying, well, why don't you call them a second time? Give them another call just to see if they got that first message. Because I was, you know, early on, I was one of the first people who called to ask about it. Turns out something had happened to so many people were interested in that position as a customer service representative or whatever, cashier, that something happened to their uh, voicemail uh, collector and, and they lost probably dozens and dozens and dozens of applications or people interested in, in the job who voiced their interest over the phone. So what happened was I called a second time and because I called sort of in the second string of people as well as the first, they selected me to be one of the first 10 employees at that location. So I was very fortunate that my family told me to do that because I probably would never have gotten a chance. I just expected, hey, I put in my hat in the ring. It was going to be my first ever after school job, first ever job, really. So it was, it was a big deal for me. But she said, yeah, call again just to see what happens. And that's when they, um, that's when they said, oh, yep, so come on in and, and we'll do a tour and all that kind of stuff like that. So, so that was very uh, intriguing for me. I wanted to originally get a job at the Suncoast motion picture store that was at the mall where they sold videos. Yeah. But either they weren't hiring or they were looking for, you know, different people or I was just an obnoxious kid that the owner didn't really or the manager didn't really want at the store working there. But um, my first job was at a Kenny Rogers Roasters chicken place. And when I got the chance to move to the video bar, I jumped because the thought of coming home 
not having to listen to Kenny Rogers and other country music the whole time you're at work and not leaving smelling like uh, rotisserie roasted chicken was uh, quite appealing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've, we've talked to your brother. So tell us a little bit about this, the influence of having a sibling who had already worked at a video store. One of my brothers had worked at the same store that I did years earlier. He's five years older than me. So he had uh, gone off to college and then moved off to California. And so the owner, it was, you know, a, a mom and pop shop. They had about three or four locations around the, the Raleigh, North Carolina area. He remembered my brother and he'd been a good employee. So he gave me a shot. Uh, it was a summertime job, mostly. I enjoyed going to Blockbuster. I just liked going and I liked going to rent games and things like that. And I think as soon as I had heard from somebody that you could get, you know, free rentals or discounts on, you know, games or used movies or movies, new ones in general, I was like, sign me up, you know, and I was fresh out of high school and I really needed, you know, I wanted a job and I wanted to work at Blockbuster specifically. Like it wasn't like I wanted to work at any old video store. Like I wanted to be a Blockbuster employee. So yeah, it was a big thing for me. And then like being able to rent, you know, free movies was a big deal for me. And I do, yes, I remember like one of the first ones I did rent like for free at Blockbuster. And it's silly. It was the Kev remember Kevin Smith's one of his first stand-ups, what was it called? I forgot what it was called. It was one of his first tell-alls, you know. Yeah, so had, it's like, the one where he tells the story about the giant spider that was supposed to be at the end of the Superman movie. Yes! The Wild Wild West. Yes, yeah. it was that one, yeah. <laughs> so tell me, how then did you go about applying for the job? Did you know somebody that worked there, or how, what did you have to do to get the job? I think I just went in and applied the old-fashioned way. I think I did a paper application. I didn't even do it online or anything because actually that wasn't as common at the time still. But yeah, I just walked in, did a paper application. I had a good rapport with the guy who was the manager at the time. He was like a really nice guy. And I think I, I just remember getting along with him almost like, you know, immediately. So it was kind of like a shoe in like he liked me like, you know, he liked my interview. He was asking me like favorite movies and things like that. And I remember he was quoting Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. <laughs> And like, I don't know why, uh, but like he was saying that was one of his favorite movies. And yeah, we just had a good rapport. And I think that's, you know, I was super young. It was one of my first jobs, so I didn't really have a resume or anything at the time. It just kind of worked out. I just imagine going, popcorn is for closers and grabbing it <laughs> out of your hand. What made me want to work at the video store is because I started making movies. Like I said, I was a big reader and writer from an early age. And I went to college at Rutgers for journalism. But then I, I realized I really wanted to make film. And I had been making movies when I was a teenager, but I never thought of working at a video store because honestly, by the time I was a teenager, the only video store near me was Blockbuster. I didn't want to work at Blockbuster. That would be like embarrassing. I mean, I hated Blockbuster. It used to annoy the shit out of me. I eventually ended up working at Blockbuster and that's when I worked with someone who had never heard of The Godfather. But uh, true story. But um, I, it wasn't until I was living in Manhattan. I was about 26, maybe, or 27. I had met my good friend, Mike Hull, who had been making movies in 
Kansas with a guy named Jason Bailey, who's now a big writer for the New York Times. And um, they were making great movies. Jason's also a great filmmaker. And um, I met Mike and I was working as a journalist and my job was going to move. I was actually writing about direct marketing and infomercials. And I got to meet great people like Jim Caudwell, who invented the auto lock, the thing you put on your wheel, right? or Ron Popeil. I wrote about all these people and I was editor in chief of this magazine. I was only like 25 or 26. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I really wanted to make movies and make documentaries. And I was trying to make a movie with a friend of mine who was taking a class. I don't remember if it was NYU or the new school. I think it was the new school. And uh, my job was moving to California. I didn't want to move and I didn't really even want to do the job anymore. So I, they left, we just parted ways. I didn't have a job for a while. I was working like telemarketing because of my voice that was hired me. And I was working right near the World Trade Center when 9-11 happened. I wasn't there, but then I actually picked up my video camera and shot the towers falling. My footage is in all the National Geographic specials. It opens it up. And um, Mike and I were trying to make a movie. We wrote a movie called Smokers. And I was on unemployment, as most people in that area were. You couldn't even get into Manhattan for like months. And we kind of dedicated ourselves to making this movie. Finally, when the path opened, it was just soon after the path opened, my unemployment was going to run out. And I was going to fix our computer. A friend of mine, Derek, knew a dude who lived on Greenwich Avenue, who could fix our Mac for us for free, because we were broke. And we went on the path, got off at 9th Street, walked up the street, down Greenwich, went to this dude's place named Brad. I looked across the street and I said, whoa, what is that? And it was a world of video. And I was like, I'm gonna need a job soon. It's always good to have some income. Maybe I should work at the video store. I love movies and everything. I'm gonna check it out. So Brad was fixing the computer. I, I walked in and we'll probably get to that in another question. So it was a pretty natural progression. I had been with a major retailer in the Midwest. Meyer Corporation is huge. Uh, they're as big or bigger than Walmart, depending on the community. So I had a lot of experience in, in multiple layers of that retail operation. And so it was pretty natural to consider another retail, especially one that I didn't have to work third shift, perhaps. <laughs> so the latest I would work is midnight on a weekend. Uh, and it was compelling because it was a product that I believed in, for one thing. And it, was, it wasn't just about the tape, right? It was about selling entertainment. And I thought that was a blast. You know, watching people with their, their big eyes on a Friday night coming in thinking, okay, what am I going to pick out? You know, what, first of all, what's available? And then what piques my interest? And, uh, you know, what is going to capture my attention for two plus hours? So what was it about Blockbuster versus a mom and pop? Like, why did you end up working for Blockbuster, not just any video store? I think I'm fortunate in my whole career. I've worked for number two or number one in, in the categories I've worked in. So Meyer. Uh, being the retailer that I worked with was, you know, number one in the marketplace and Blockbuster watching their growth because they had just started in like 1985 or something like that. It was uh, Wayne Heisinger from the 
uh, waste management era who started that. And I thought, okay, they're only on a growth trajectory here. You know, I don't see a downside here and videos aren't going to go away. I didn't see the DVD coming, which was going to happen, you know, 10 years plus later. So I thought I'm going to ride this tiger for a while. Now, how did you yourself then apply for this specific job? Because did you come in as a purchaser or did you work in a different side of the operation? No, so I came in as an assistant store manager, happened to know the owner at the time. So I had a little insider track, but the first three stores, I was an assistant store manager. And then after that, I became uh, the store builder. So uh, I would work with the, the owner of the franchise and you know he would select the locations and then from that point i would take it over and build it until it opened and i was the immediate store manager for a while until we built another store wow all the while also being the marketing manager and and wearing several hats and the promotions guy it was actually uh the first day of video production class in community college. I had just graduated high school in 2000, and um, so September of 2000, I was starting a new class, and at that point, I was working at a movie theater, which I had been there for just about two years at that point, and great job, a lot of fun, a lot of good times, and I'm starting this video production class, and we're going around the table introducing ourselves and who we are and what we do, you know, what some of our favorite movies are, that kind of thing, and this this woman Kim says, you know, I'm I'm Kim Price and I work at a video store. And by the way, if anybody's looking for you know uh, part time work at a video store, let me know. And just without even thinking, I was just like, I am. And I was just like, oh, what did I just sign up for? Because I I thought that it was somewhat closer to school, so I figured, oh, it'd be it'd be good that I would be near school and I could you know work at this video store. And turns out it was in Clinton, uh, New Jersey, which you know. It was closer to school than, than the movie theater was, but I went down there and interviewed with her, and I remember that the interview was in the back room, sort of the break room, where they had some, some tapes on the wall that uh, were the ones that were going to be shrink-wrapped for previously viewed selling, and uh, we were sitting there right next to the shrink-wrap machine, too, which I'll always remember that thing, and I, always, I, I became very good at using that and the heat gun, you know. But the, uh, I don't remember the exact questions that she asked me, but it was basically, you know, um, do you like movies? Do you like talking to people? Um, do you know a lot about movies? And I was like, yeah, sure. I, I got all those, all those boxes checked for sure. I like to make jokes and, and kind of make references that I grew up on TV and pop culture. Um, you know, you come from a, a broken home and, you know, spend a lot of time in front of a TV. And since one of my dad's favorite things to do was watch movies, that was what we did every weekend. So he knew that I would enjoy that environment enough that he could run errands. And so he would just drop me off at the video store and he would go run his errands and come back three or four hours later and I would have a stack of tapes to rent. And we did that, you know, my entire life growing up. So when I finally hit 16 and, and got my first vehicle, it was, you know, time to get a job because I got to pay for my own gas and pay for my insurance. And I honestly didn't focus on working at a video store. The, the town I was living in at the time, Millington, um, had two video stores. It had a Blockbuster and a Video Barn. We had only frequented the Blockbuster in town and not that often. Um, you know, Blockbuster was always more expensive than the mom and pop store, so my dad preferred to go to the mom and pop stores when we could. So we just didn't spend a lot of time inside that actual Blockbuster. Well, we did go there one weekend right 
probably a week after I got my driver's license and my dad just happened to be checking out with the store manager and mentioned that, you know, I was looking for a job and right there on the spot, she's like, well, hey, come in Tuesday at six o'clock and we'll do an interview. And <laughs> I came in, you know, three or four days later after the weekend, interviewed. Next thing I know, I'm starting that Friday. At the time, I was working at a bookstore called Chapter 7. And that was also on the in the same strip mall next to the video store, the video plaza. Okay, and, um, and it was pretty good. I, I, you know, I enjoyed working at the bookstore and all, but I was working with a friend of mine who did, uh, him and his brother and his brother's friend did what became the first public access show to make it to broadcast television. It was called uh, Robin Bill's Talk Show. And they, they originally did public access, and then the local channel, I think it was Channel 28 here, it was like the NBC affiliate, picked it up. And they would actually run it before Saturday Night Live because they didn't have local news. So these guys would do the 30-minute show, and I would help them out in various ways. I actually, I did a thing called the, da my, my big thing was I did a thing called the Daily Facts, which was a facts on demand magazine for them, which is really a crazy thought. You would actually, I would mail you the table of contents and then you would rip it off, look at it, and if you thought you wanted to read any of the, uh, the basically pirated articles I would put up there, you would dial in the number and it would print out on your fax machine. So things were going good being associated with them, coming up, you know, occasionally coming up with an idea they used for something. And then they had a deal with Stone Stanley, who did, do you remember Supermarket Sweep? Sure, yeah. They produced that and they would go on to do the Celebrity Mole. And Stone Stand, and they actually, I think they produced Children of the Corn 3, which they shot in North Carolina and stuff. <laughs> but they had a deal with these guys to host a game show. And I'd always wanted to get in the game show business. So it was called, and, and so the game was, it was, there, it was going to be done for ESPN, and it was called Gators. And it was, um, we would go to tailgates at college football games and NASCAR and uh and the state fair but with any anywhere there was a parking lot full of people we would show up and we would try to make them play stupid games in the parking lot like you know uh you know the the thing they do on tv where people have a hard-boiled and a uh and a regular egg and they have to smash it on their forehead and see which one they got oh uh, yeah we did that we did that first in like 19 we're talking like 1993-94 we were doing it and we had them do really bad things. I had one called Cuss Like. And, and the thing was, they hired me to originally be a PA, but they also made a deal where if I came up with game ideas, they would throw me an extra bonus on the check, which was fantastic. And at the same time, I pitched them my weird game show that I had called My Buddy Knows. And they were really interested in that. And so everything was going swimmingly. And I would have to go, and I basically told the owner of the bookstore, I was like, look, for the next, I, I think it was like, it might have just been two months or something. I was like, I can't work weekends. I need Saturdays off and I need Sundays off. That's all I'm asking. Please, I need to do this. And for the first few weeks, he was cool with it. And then the third week, the schedule comes out and he has me working the weekend. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? You know, you told me you weren't, oh, you know, and he's hemming and hawing at me. And it's getting me frustrated. And, and now, and, and, and at the same time, okay, the guy who managed the video bar next door, he would come over to our bookstore and we'd talk and talk and talk. And he'd be like, Joe, you, you know more about movies than anybody I've employed. You, you need to come work for me. What's it going to, what's it going to take? Right. And I, I kept blowing him off. 
because I enjoyed the bookstore and, and, and I had a really good uh, employee discount. And it was also the, the bookstore sold a lot of remainder books and I would get first whack at them. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hauling off with like, you know, these, these, I, I got an autographed Ann Rice book for two bucks. Oh, wow. Back. So it was like, you know, I got that and all these other great books that were, were dirt cheap. Okay. So I liked working at the bookstore. I had no desire to work in the video store. And finally, and, and, and so when the guy books me on Saturday, I end up making calls with the people who aren't working on Saturday and I agreed to swap shifts with them and I'd give them, you know, I'd pay them 10 bucks or whatever, you know, they didn't care about that, but you know, they, they, you know, and, and, and so the next thing you know, this guy tells me the manager of the bookstore is like, well, um, he, he gets fight, he gets angry about this and he's like, well, you need to choose between this, this is a career and, and you can't do this. You know, you need to focus. What do you really want to do with your life? And I'm like, you know, because I know the game show in, in, you know, a couple weeks is going to be done. And I need, I need, I still need my stupid job, right? And I go next door because I get a sense this guy's going to do something. So I go next door and I look at the manager. I said, you still want to hire me? And he's like, sure. I said, I think I'm probably going to be working for you. And then I go back. And the next thing you know, this guy, basically, the manager at my store is basically, I think you really need to turn in your, uh, your, your, your notice. I don't think your heart's in this place. <laughs> like, it's a bookstore, right? <laughs> and so um, I just, you know, finally, I and I'm like, okay, I guess I'll quit. I got, like, two weeks vacation coming up, so he's going to give me that. And I was like, cool. You know, I was like, well, you know. And so I went next door again. I said, well, I can start for you in two weeks. And the guy's like, oh, really? I said, yeah. So I come back, and finally the guy's like, the guy at the store He's so upset at me. He's like, he just wants me to leave right then, basically. And that, but, but then he keeps me on the shift. And then he comes up to me about an hour later, and he says, so do you have another job in mind? And I'm like staring, going, you just fired me. And I'm like, and you want an answer? And I just look at him and say, yeah, I'm working next door at the, the, the video store. <laughs> and he's like, well, when did you do that? And I said, three hours ago. And he just stares at me. And I'm just like, you know, because he's got this attitude like, oh, oh, you know, like, like somehow I, I was I was working my way to the top of, you know, this this one store in a chain, which that never seemed to really care about us being in the middle of nowhere. And so I went to go, you know, and so I, I, I went to work back on the game show. You know, I was able to focus on the game show since I had a two week gap, basically, between the bookstore and the video store. And that seemed to work out OK. The game show turned into a debacle because Stone Stanley had a falling out with my guys who were the hosts, and they just decided to, even though they won my show, uh, they just decided at the last minute that they didn't want to deal with us ever again. So I was collateral damage on that. So, But the good news was, so I started working at the video store, and I'm not in a good mood, but it's okay. And the bookstore, by the way, the bookstore next door, the, the parent company pulled the cord on it about eight months later. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, it would have been great if I'd made that my, my life's journey. What was the training process like? When you first started, you watched, like, training videos and, uh, you know, like, have it tell you how to greet a customer and how the, the computer system worked. And if a customer says this, you know, say this to them. And, and then after that, um, started working behind the counter and like the, my first job was like going to put the movies back on the shelves, you know, grabbing them from the uh, return bin and taking them out there. You know, I didn't really work the uh, register until like maybe like a weekend. Then I started on the register. And I worked during the day mostly, 
because I, I didn't work the peak hours like on Friday night, you know, training. So. And what was the experience? Because you're saying this then was your first job. So right. what was it like learning customer service and all those things through Blockbuster? Blockbuster, you know, it, it was at least it wasn't like working at a Walmart where you're constantly busy. You know, you had a lot of downtime, especially during the day. If you worked on a weekday. Pretty much it was, OK, here's how the um, here's how the cash register works. You know, kind of going through the uh, the POS, you know, how to how to ring stuff in, how to, you know, all the stuff that, you know, that, that, that you have to go through, you know, how to how to sign up new members and how to check accounts, you know. And, and, and what all that were kind of some stuff. of the policies that you oh, had to learn? Goodness. Do you recall this? <laughs> we had and I've often wondered the legality of this over the years. Movie gallery had a policy that in order to get a membership with them, you had to be, one, 18 years old, and two, you had to have a valid driver's license. And they were very adamant about it had to be a driver's license. It couldn't be a state-issued ID, which I'm like, there's really no difference between the two. Like, I mean, other than the fact that you, know, you can't legally drive with the state-issued ID, but the thing is, is is that the number would be the same regardless. You know, it's exactly the same as, as a license, except that you just are not licensed to drive. That was a point of contention multiple times of people to the point to where, like, after, I don't know, maybe I'd been working there a couple of months, especially if, if Diane wasn't around. I was like, just, just give me the, the ID. I don't care. But that I, I have often wondered about the legalities of that because it is a – you know, it's a government-issued ID, so it should work just the same. The training process, so they brought us around. They showed us the different departments. I mean, it was not a huge, huge store, but uh, they showed us the different areas that um, that we'd be putting the movies on the shelves and all the interior aisles for the older classics. So that was really um, interesting to me. What was also pretty funny was the um, wardrobe they had us wear, the uniform. Unlike other video stores in the area that I was aware of, they wanted us to have much more formal attire. They wanted us to basically resemble a movie theater usher. So if any of you out there have seen the, uh, the pictures of employees or some of the PSAs on YouTube about uh, you know, training exercises, basically the, the attire that we were given when we first started was we had to have black pants, like slacks, a tuxedo shirt, like a white tuxedo shirt with kind of the ribs sort of thing, you know? Also, it was acceptable was just a white button-down shirt, but at first, it was really one to embrace that usher feeling. On top of the white shirt, they gave us a purple uh, vest a <laughs> with stars all over it, Hollywood signs all over it. It was very festive uh, kind of a vest. I kind of wish I, I wore that vest to my prom years later, to be honest with you, but I never got around to doing that, damn it. Uh, last but not least, they had us wear a black bow tie on top of that. So, you know, compared to some of my friends who may have gotten jobs at other video stores in the area, uh, I look totally different. <laughs> it was definitely an interesting thing to, to have to go and get this full wardrobe to work there. The training process, the, the bulk of the actual things you had to learn was, you know, running the register system. By then we had the computers, and so it was a, a program on the computer that you would use to check people out. And then it would uh, print out their receipt. And then you had the other things around the shop that you would have to learn um, checking the movies back in. We didn't have barcodes and the, the fancy scanner gun, but there was a, a sticker on every tape and every game that had like an eight-digit number code. And so you would type in the eight-digit number code into the computer, 
and it would bring up the person's account. And if they had like any other, like if they had had two or three movies out at once, if you typed in one of the movies that they had out, it would bring up the list of all of the things they had rented out. So you could just go through and check off the other ones that were there that were also being returned. That was handy. And then uh, just reshelving the movies once you had enough of them to go around. And it uh, it was a store that had an adult room. So, you know, we got the mystery and wonder of going into the back room and reshelving the movies there as well. One thing that I, I wasn't aware of before, the only person that you could tell who had rented out a movie was the person whose name was on the account. And it was sort of, I don't know if it was a law or just one of the store's policy that you couldn't really tell someone else what another person had rented as basic as it is they make sure you know everything like simple things like you know checking the box and checking on people's late fees and things like that and like just really simple things and restocking and you know going around and cleaning the store and vacuuming really basic things you know they didn't really it wasn't a very demanding job it was kind of like you check the videos in you learn how to use the, the slide key, you be nice to people, you restock the videos. It wait, was, wait, I think so this, tell, tell yeah. us about the slide key. Oh yeah, so they all the Blockbuster um, boxes, uh, they're in these little plastic boxes with a yellow slide key, and they were these long little bar slide keys. I'm not sure how many places still use these kinds of things anymore, but yeah, you would use a magnet. And you would, you know, put it against the magnet and slide the long yellow slide key out of the box. And that was what would unlock the um, the DVD box. And this was for just DVD boxes, because I don't believe these ever being a thing for VHS boxes was like a lock or a slide key or anything like that. They just popped open. Um, but yeah, the DVDs, they all required like a yellow slide key to unlock them. And then we had to we had to pop them all back in once we checked. Uh, check them back in. So we'd pop the disc back in and then pop the slide key in and then we'd load them in the cart and then we'd take them out throughout the store. I had been working retail my whole life and like I said, I'm skipping over I worked at Blockbuster for three months in college because that's not even worth mentioning. Fair enough. (laughs) They didn't even... When, when people came in who liked movies, they would try to push them towards the new movie to get them off the shelf. I really didn't enjoy that experience. It was so corporate. The people who worked there were not really movie people. It was like a job for them, you know? It was like either McDonald's or Blockbuster or The Gap or whatever. So I don't count that. But with World of Video, the training was how to run the register and how to do all that. You were not hired at World of Video unless you took a test, a written test that tested your film and television knowledge. World of Video is not a... And I, I'm not trying to sound, I'm very proud of working there. Uh-huh. I've a lot of video stores, and I've talked to a lot of people who worked at video stores. And I honestly do think that World of Video was one of the best video stores that ever existed. Our owner, Mitch, was dedicated to giving the people who lived in Greenwich Village, who are probably the most, some of the most educated, artistic, discernible clientele you could have in the world, right? For TV and film. I mean, the the people making the movies were our members. (laughs) I mean, like we were regularly getting calls from Scorsese to pick films. Tarantino was a member. Oh, wow. Sofia Coppola. I mean, I couldn't list 
I could just sit here listing our famous clientele for the rest of the time I'm talking. It was just normal. Gandolfini was a client. I mean, he came in every Friday with his kid. Everybody was a member. We didn't call them clients, we called them members. And you had to take the test. And I walked in there and I loved it because I love taking tests. I like to be challenged like that. I walked in there strutting my stuff, thinking I'm gonna know more about movies than the next guy here, only to find out that I was gonna learn from some of the greatest film minds that I ever met. Some of the cats that I worked with there are, you know, like just expert level of film history and knowledge. So as far as training, you know, you had to have basic skills of being a good human. And it was New York. You had to be able to talk to people and converse. That was most of the job. So the franchises had to emulate what the corporate stores did. Everything looked the same. The training was the same. You had very little latitude. The software was the same. And so they sent all management material down to Florida to Blockbuster University <laughs> uh, in Fort Lauderdale. So you'd take a two-day class there. What was really interesting, um, this is kind of a sidebar, but the vice president of marketing married a Playboy bunny, and that Playboy bunny was our trainer. That session, <laughs> Got everybody's which attention, was, yeah. <laughs> what, what was interesting is I didn't realize until after the fact that this is who she was, obviously very attractive, but it was another store manager that said, oh, you, I can't believe you were trained by so-and-so. <laughs> That's pretty hilarious, wow. Yeah. It was mostly just job shadowing. You would stand there and, and basically shadow somebody walking through the store, knowing the layout of the store, you know, following the, the procedures in terms of like, you know, we, we get the new releases in on, I believe it was like a Thursday and we'd have to start making them up, you know, getting them stickered up and everything, getting them ready for release on the following Tuesday, you know, and then really just jump on the fire when it came to um, a busy time or learning on the register. And I remember that was kind of my my most nervous part, you know, dealing with money and, you know, and actually talking to customers at first and being, because, you know, you don't want to, I don't think anybody likes, you know, being in a position where they look like they don't know what they're doing. And obviously, over time, I became like a, a pro and kind of knew what I was doing. My eyes closed, basically. Well, the one thing I remember the most is the training videos we had to watch were partially narrated by Andrea Barber, who played Kimmy Gibbler on oh, Full House. Oh, wow. <laughs> and out of all the training videos that have been uploaded to YouTube from Blockbuster, I've yet to see that one. And I've been looking for it for years. So that was a little mind blowing because this was 2001. So Full House had been off the air a few years. And I was like, wow, this is what Kimmy's up to now. <laughs> so she was actually on screen for those? She was. She was hosting it. Her wow. and, and another guy I didn't recognize. But, um, you know, it, like most jobs, you do the easiest stuff first. So, you know, I was scheduled actually for a Friday night, which, you know, is one of the busiest nights of the week for video stores. And so my job that night was just checking the parking lot bin, the outside drop box, and the inside drop box, stacking the tapes for somebody else to actually scan them back in the system. And then I was the runner. So I would run and put the tapes behind the wall, you know, behind the boxes on the wall throughout the store. After I kind of mastered that, and you know, I think I worked that Sunday afternoon, which was you know a total opposite of a Friday night. I got some training on the cash register, how to check tapes in, and then I was put to work um, shrink wrapping, which was one of those monotonous jobs. But one of those jobs years later, I actually do miss a lot. 
So this is like after they've taken the tape out of the slipcase and put it into the Blockbuster video shell, then this is, you have to re-shrink wrap the box after that. Explain that process a little bit. So all the tapes would come in uh, traditionally on Monday morning for, for the following Tuesday's release. You know, occasionally we'd have special orders that would come in, you know, throughout the week. But usually it was Monday morning was our big inventory day. The store manager would scan the inventory sheet and the printer would automatically print out the inserts that went into the keep cases um, or clamshells that Blockbuster actually stored the tapes into that had the barcode on it and the little description on the back. So as staff members and crew members, our job was to take all of these brand new VHS tapes to the back. We'd use box cutters, open up the bottom, pull the cassette tape out, and then we would stuff a piece of styrofoam in it and then use a machine that looked a lot like a paper cutter with a wire that got really, really hot. And then on one end you had what looked like a hard version of saran wrap. And so you would stick this tape into this saran wrap envelope and use this hot wire to basically seal it closed. Once the tape was completely encompassed, you used a high pressure blow dryer that would actually shrink the, uh, the plastic to the whatever you're needing it to shrink to. So in, in this case, the VHS tapes, um, thus the term shrink wrapping. And then we would take all the blank tapes and shove them in the keep safes and we put them on the If I remember right, we had a scanner system. So that part was easy. I just had to scan them in. And, uh, you know, I knew how to use the cash register and stuff. Uh, the tricky part was we had a Ticketmaster. Or I, th I think it was still Ticketmaster at the time. Oh, wow. And so that was there. But the odd part was I... I have very vague memories of anybody ever because it was around the time that Ticketmaster went with the phone system and so people were less wanting to show up in the middle of the morning to try to get tickets for things anymore because they knew all the good seats were going to go by people on the phone so we weren't getting swamped I mean because I remember you know I remember as a, in, in high school that people you know there'd be line, you know Bruce Springsteen's coming to town and there'd be like a line 600 people deep to try to get into yeah. the record bar Ticketmaster and stuff. Whereas when I worked at this place, there was rarely anybody coming in asking about tickets for anything. What kind of co-workers did you have? Were they just as excited about the job as you were? Or was it just a paycheck? Half of them were there because they liked movies a lot, you know, and so they were really into it. And then the other half were there just almost just because it was a job. And everybody was real young, about my age, you know, in their 20s, pretty much. And uh, just remember that... You know, we would just goof off and goof around, you know, always have fun. Like, it was, during the day, like, if it wasn't busy, we always had, like, these big TV screens, like, two or three old CRT TVs just hanging up. And uh, we would play movies. We'd stick a movie in there. If it wasn't busy, we'd just stick a movie, had a DVD player, just stick the movie and have it play it. And so just out of curiosity, were there still VHS tapes with this being a new store? Did they order VHS tapes in 2004, 2005, or was it all DVD when you started working there? By the time I got there, it was all DVD. There was okay. no VHS tape. There wasn't even like VHS tapes, you know, like on clearance, you know, it was all DVD by that point. Well, my manager was, uh, she was a character. I wouldn't even know where to begin with her. I enjoyed working for her for about three months, <laughs> and, or maybe a little longer than that. And then it was like, okay, this is going to be drama all the time. My other, and it's funny because there was, okay, there was Bev. Uh, she was like my 
parents' age, you know, and she worked there just part-time, you know, usually nights just to kind of, she had a son who was a few years younger than me, and it was just kind of a, she'd always been a homemaker, and so she, you know, she was just working to kind of get out of the house some, and and I think she did it a little more to, uh, just for the social interaction that comes with it, and then, um, I'm trying to think who else worked there, I had another guy, his name was Mike, that worked with it, it was around my age, a little bit younger, and it was, again, it was a part-time deal for him, he was just there for a paycheck, because he had a regular full-time job, and uh, him and his wife were trying to do something, and then there was a guy named Anthony that only worked on the weekends, another situation where, here's the funny thing about Anthony, I loved Anthony to death, he was in his early 30s at the time, and he would come in, he would only, he could only work on the weekends because he had a full-time, you know, regular job, plus he had kids, you know, and all that kind of stuff, it's like, okay, this is kind of awesome, so he only wanted to work weekends, but then he would always get upset that he had to work on a Sunday because he wanted to watch football. And I'm like, okay, look, dude, either you're working the weekend or you're not working at all. You know, I mean, it's like you can't just say, oh, I only want to come in and work on Mondays and, and you know, or, or on uh, Fridays and Saturdays, you know, at these certain times. It's like it's just something. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. We had a, I'm trying to think who else worked there at the very beginning. We had another girl. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. That uh, she was only there for that summer because she was a college student, and, and she would work during the days usually. Like she would, op- she was an opener, and um, she was eighteen, nineteen years old, somewhere around in there. And she was pretty cool, but she was she was tiny. I mean, she was like five foot tall and probably weighed you know like ninety pounds, soaking wet, and you know, and, and had a tiny little voice and everything. But she was a great worker. But later on. Um, and we'll get into my ascent to actually running that place at, at, at a certain point. I had to like do some intervention because I found out that there was somebody that was calling the store when she was there and trying to get her to read the titles of the adult movies. Oh, over no. the phone. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to come in tomorrow. And when this happens, uh, you put me on the phone. <laughs> you yeah. know, type thing. So it was a, but let's say I'm trying to think who else we had work. I, and I had a couple other people that I cannot remember names off the top of my head. There was one guy named Chuck that worked there. He was interesting. He was there for about four months, long enough to uh, to come in. He did an all right job, but then he started a bunch of drama. And on top of it all, he wound up swindling the, my manager and the secretary at the district office and a couple other people out of a bunch of money for Madonna tickets that didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, it was like that kind of stuff where it was like, yeah, we had some characters. A lot of my coworkers were of my age or about a year older. So I was right around 16 or about a year older. And we were all into movies. We were all really, really excited about the job and I mean there may have been a few people there for a paycheck maybe a couple slightly slightly older folks but uh, honestly uh, it seemed like it was a very interesting thing to open up in our area so we were all very excited to do it and the fact that Hollywood Video from what I recall it really kind of embraced the movie fan uh, in all of us made it much more enjoyable for me uh, it wasn't just a paycheck we weren't just there to push the product it seemed like it was a place to work that I would also have visited if I didn't work there. Uh, purple was the name of the game. Purple, the color purple was literally everywhere. And I'm not talking about the film with Whoopi Goldberg. The color purple was all over this place. Um, you had purple paint all over the walls, uh, you know, in all these designs. You had stars. You had movie quotes, which was really fascinating everywhere. So they had Star Wars quotes. They had um, Caddyshack quotes. Above the exit sign, the emergency exit, says, Freeze Gopher. Uh, from Caddyshack. So even in the exit signs, it was um, 
you know, a play on movies and filmmaking and just the joy of the cinema, which is really kind of funny and made me feel like it was the right place to work for me at the time. So yes, our coworkers were mostly a lot of fun. Um, the unfortunate side is, you know, by the time I left a few years later, some of the coworkers were still rather young. Even the managers ended up being in their early 20s, and that may be too young to run a place like that, at least in where I was. So that didn't gel well uh, for me at the end of my time there. But when I first started, the fact that it was almost like a group of young folks who were really into films made it so much more enjoyable. Most of the other people that worked there genuinely liked and enjoyed movies. Because, you know, people would ask you for recommendations and you'd want to be able to, you know, recommend films that people are, were generally going to enjoy and want to come back and rent more stuff. You, you want happy customers. Several of them were other people that went to my high school that were, they had already graduated. They were a year or two ahead and they went to one of the local colleges and this was their job. Everyone seemed to be pretty cool that worked there. It was, you know, one of my favorite jobs in my past. You know, what's funny is I think I was one of the younger ones there. I think I was, might have been the youngest one there at the time. And um, I worked with a really strange older guy who was like, you know, my supervisor. And frankly, that's it. I just remember him, like, like my supervisor, my manager. I, for the life of me, I can't remember having like any deep relationship with any of my coworkers or anything there like i was kind of you know super young at the time so i kind of was just flying by the seat of my pants and just you know like i wasn't uh, i think i was also just i don't think i was scheduled with that many people like it was usually just me and a manager and i would close a lot so i didn't get to work with a lot of other coworkers to be honest working it with me at world video was the person who trained me, in many ways my mentor at this store, and a person who I think probably is one of the great film history minds that I've ever met, my buddy Sean, who actually, that's a podcast, but all these people are still doing it. Sean taught me so much about film, and we knew who knew what. Tony was, he, <laughs> I don't know how much I can get into here, but I mean, this is New York, you know. Tony had a knowledge of film and still does that's encyclopedic. I mean, Devin, Pete, all the guys, it was mostly guys. I think as long as I worked there, we only had, Linda was a co-owner, but she was not too involved in the day-to-day -day of talking on the floor to people about TV and film. Um, we had one, one girl who worked there for a little, I can't remember. I, I don't even, honestly, it's been a long time. I can't remember her name. She did date Tito though. So I'll mention Tito. He's a great musician. So many, Daniel, so many great people. Michael, who worked there too. Michael ran the mostly male gay porn section, which basically kept our store alive. Because that's another thing that I had not mentioned, which is that World of Video is also famous for being, had one of the largest collections of male gay porn in Manhattan for rental. And that is basically what was on the bottom floor of the store. So the top floor, we were, have a regular video store, and then you kind of go down the steps, and there was the kind of the porn section, which Michael ran. And maybe not surprisingly, this was actually also a discernible clientele of people <laughs> collected and were up to date on like 
like we kind of talked about before we started rolling, everything has a niche, right? So Michael knew, I mean, his his knowledge of gay porn was like encyclopedic too. He knew all the people and when it was recorded. And, and many of the performers and directors also were members of the store. So I, it was uh, it was really quite an experience. We had these guys, honestly, taught me so much. Uh, like I said, I came in there thinking, wow, I know a lot about film. I know how to make film. I worked on sets. I was a, I had been a PA for a long time in Manhattan. You know, I'm going to teach them, you know? And no, they totally schooled me. I ended up becoming the kind of new release TV sci-fi fantasy guy. So that's kind of where my knowledge was. Like if someone came in, because I voracious, I, I began after working there for a while, I began processing the new stuff that came in. So it'd come in on Friday and process it over a weekend. Usually on a Saturday I'd work because I like Sunday off to watch football. And then on Tuesday morning, of course, the new stuff is comes out, right? And so I'd basically try to watch almost every decent new or what I thought would be popular film even if it was a classic criteria or whatever we release, I would watch it on Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So I would basically go home every weekend with almost everything we were gonna release and I'd put it on and watch it. And I felt that that was part of my duty of working there to be someone to say, hey, this new print came out. Is this as good as this other copy? And I'd say, well, I just watched it and I could tell you it is. Or, it's worth it because of this or this film you might find interesting for this reason because that's another thing a lot of the people coming in were studying film too at NYU or whatever so it wouldn't just be like give me a great film there are certain as you know certain films aren't great but aspects of them are it was interesting to see the difference in ambition but also the difference of age you know you can imagine that the typical customer service rep working in the store was probably about 17 or 18 they were there working part-time, working a lot of weekends. So they didn't really aspire to be a store manager. There were other people that were assistant store managers who uh, were leaning into a bigger career, had been in retail and other facets and saw this opportunity and, and grasped it. And just out of curiosity, so what was your opinion? Because, you know, it's often reported that Blockbuster's strategy was going in and kind of taking over mom and pop shops, you know, kind of eliminating their market and buying them out and saying, okay, here we are now. Now it's Blockbuster Town. Was that accurate? Is that how it operated? We didn't take over mom and pop stores, but we were a major threat. What was interesting is in the Grand Rapids marketplace. So Grand Rapids is the second largest city in, in Michigan. There was a competitor named Video Time, T-Y-M-E, who was a blockbuster copycat. I mean, uh, their shelving looked the same, the way they did the, the store layout and things like that, it was the same. The only difference is that they offered X-rated films. So they were crazy popular and they would take our real estate prowess and try to plop themselves just down the street from us. And they were really a threat. And at one point then, uh, corporate had to come in and buy them out. I think that was their whole scheme is to add enough value so they would you know, be perceived as a threat so they could be bought out. There's a lot of good people, um, and most of them I'm still friends with on Facebook, but most of them were high school kids just like me, or, you know, I was early college. 
There was a girl, Jessie, who um, she's actually a pretty well-known singer out of the Philadelphia area now. There was another kid named Tim who was a huge movie fan, and he used to come in and rent with his mom when he, and, and dad when he was much younger. So we sort of watched him grow up and become you know, old enough to work there, and he worked there. And that dude was awesome because he, he would get all these new releases, special order, like he would buy all this stuff and put it on his tab. And eventually when the store closed, he had this huge outstanding tab and his mom had to come in and pay it for him. <laughs> he, he had racked up all this stuff, all these DVDs and you know, great stuff. There were a couple of other um, high school kids that came in that I think were just there for a paycheck. One of them, I think, uh, they didn't last too long. I think one of them actually may have been possibly pirating adult films <laughs> and and either selling those on the side or something. I don't remember the exact details about why he was let go and then there were a couple of people who were a little bit older than me that you know were, were kind of the the typical oh I'll show you the ropes you know kind of guy and they were good people um, let's see there was Justin was uh, one of my good buddies he was sort of the, the guy that I looked up to and then there was another guy who was named Josh, and he actually went to my high school. So we sort he was a couple years older than me, and we sort of knew each other, but we didn't know each other that well. You know, passing in the halls, that kind of thing. And another girl named Jennifer, who I'm still friends with, and I actually knew her. She was the cousin, the quote-unquote hot cousin of my best friend growing up, and we would always see her when they would have family get-togethers, and I had no idea that it was her when we started working together. I was like, oh, hey, Jen, what's up? Good to see you. <laughs> and then my, my boss, um, Terry, he was awesome. He, I'm still really good friends with him, and he was, he'd actually be a good guy for you guys to talk to. He started out with the Premiere Video name, um, I think before it became Premiere Video, when I think it was Palmer Video, way back in the day in the early 80s mid 80s when it first started and you know again story like mine out of high school college and had been with the company forever but a huge movie fan and we would always talk stuff and he was sort of more the the you know big 80s movie fan so i would you know rattle titles off with him back and forth and trivia stuff and good good times though you know, at my store, I mean, this was a store that's in a suburb outside of, of Memphis, Tennessee, and it's a, a rural suburb at the time, especially. There wasn't a lot of movie fanatics, not what you would expect, to be honest. The night shifts were primarily grown adults, you know, in their 30s to 50s who were picking up second jobs. That was one of the benefits of Blockbuster being open to midnight. You could actually, you know, go work at nine to five, get off, grab something to eat, come to work at six and work from six to nine or six to 10, you know, and get off work in time, you know, to get up and go back to work the next morning. So there was a lot of actually, it was more older people than I expected. But then the weekends were filled with the young teenagers and college students like myself. We actually had a lot of temporary staff that were just college, you know, college students that might have worked there through high school, and they would just come back for the holiday breaks and the summer breaks when, you know, when rental ones would increase and we would need more staff on the floor. With that being said, there were other movie fanatics that were there. I, I remember my mind was absolutely blown the day a girl started and she knew who Kevin Smith was. <laughs> um, because this is 2001, and you know nowadays, you know, you just jump on the internet and, and everybody knows everybody. But you know, that wasn't something that was that common, you know, not in this small town. And she's just like, "Oh, I've seen Clerks," and I'm like, "No, you haven't. No way." And then asked her if she had ever heard of Evil Dead, and she's like, "Yeah, with Bruce Campbell." 
and I, like my heart sank. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in love with this girl. <laughs> like, like this is great. So there were some some people like that, and, and even um, mentor figures I got. There was a gentleman who was named Eric, and that was a second job of his, and he really took me to you know the first time I went to a comic book store and got my own box and. You know, it was a comic book store that actually rented anime VHS behind the counter type situation. And he introduced me to anime and, you know, he introduced me to all kinds of weird 80s movies that I had never seen before or never had really heard of um, because I was I was born in 83. So, you know, I, I, I hit the highlights, but I, I, I missed out on some of the, the stranger movies, some of the Terry Gilliam flicks. It was a small staff. It, you know, when we talk about it was a strip mall and it was basically just one space. It was about half the size of the Videorama. So it was just the one space uh, with two aisles on either side, you know, split with aisles. No, they have two or three aisles. I think we had enough space for, for three aisles. So there was a, a right aisle, left aisle, and center. The other staff, there was about, well, that, that was the big thing. If you worked pretty much, opening the manager would be there with you. Or no, actually, he would have us open up alone. One person would open up alone, and there would be like long gaps where you were stuck working there by yourself. And then occasionally there'd be another person. The manager guy would come in, and one or two other people. It was very small staffed. You know, I hate to say this, I have no memories really of working with coworkers. Occasionally, you know, there'd be like an hour swap off with people. Well, Mondays, Monday evening, there would be more than one person because somebody had to sit there and enter and fix up the new titles for when they would come. Because Tuesday Tuesday was the new title day, if I remember right. So there would be somebody on Mondays extra with you. But a lot of times you were stuck. As I said, you were the the man, the guy, the owner worked out of the shop. The owner was, I, I had to look it up because I swear I never said this guy's name the entire time I worked there. Uh, his name, and, and I don't even know which one he was. I had to look it up on the corporate thing. His name was either uh, Veg Bagai or Bindu Bagai. He basically, and this is the best part, he could care less about the video store. <laughs> His office, which was in the back corner, granted, you'd walk in there occasionally, and he had it covered from floor to the walls, covered from floor to ceiling with screener tapes, you know, screener and seller tape, you know, right, cell tape yeah. and stuff. You know, the ones that were really bad, they were, they were like on SPP speed, and every 10 minutes, they'd go black and white for a minute, and they constantly had property up flashing on it. Right. And he had them piled up from the floor to the ceiling, and he would never let you borrow them. I remember asking him one time. I was like, because I saw something I hadn't seen in a while. You know, because we had a deal where we could check something out at night when we went home. And I remember asking him, can I borrow that? And he was like, no. And he was like, whoa, I, I don't even know. I mean, it's like he lets us borrow the regular stock, but for some reason, the screeners... No, we can't touch his precious screeners. <laughs> and the thing was, he mainly sat in the back of the off in his office. I can't remember how, but he followed the stock market. That was his big thing. Maybe he was on the phone, but he was all about wheeling and dealing in stock stuff. He was, I guess, he would. He was kind of like a day trader, except I'm not sure how he did it since it was before internet hookup and stuff. Here's a preview of the next episode coming up on Rental Return Season 2. What were the perks of being a video store employee? When Gandolfini all these people come in, I wasn't like, oh, Quentin Tarantino signed my thing. No, I was like, bro, 
that shot in Kill Bill, like we would talk about movies. We would talk about how you made them. When they would uh, get finished with the posters, they would, they would have them over for sale, you know, and stuff, or e- or even just give them away sometimes. Like I had a uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4 poster in my room for years that Whoa. I got from them that I just asked about. It. I was like, hey, can I have that? Yeah, so I'm almost embarrassed to say because I got some perks that others didn't, but I tried to spread the perks around. So, for example, when I was buying radio slots, I mean, the radio stations would hand me free tickets to, you know, a local concert or something like that. Rental Return is created by Adam Pope and produced by Jason Gross in association with The Retro Network. Connect with our Season 2 video heroes on social media by finding the links in today's show notes. Also follow TRN Social on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to see pictures of our video heroes in action back in the day. If you're a former video store employee and want to chronicle your experience for an upcoming season of Rental Return, connect with Adam Pope on Twitter at Kulander or email him at hojukulander at gmail.com. Links also provided in today's show notes. Avoid late fees by subscribing to Rental Return in your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to share your membership with a friend or family member. Discover more retro podcasts by visiting theretronetwork.com forward slash podcasts. Join us next time for another episode of Rental Return, Tales from the Video Store. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.